Hello and welcome to this week's and my third podcast interview of In the House Seats with me, your host, Craig Bartley. This is the place where every Sunday we talk about all stuff regarding theatre, film, television and the ups and downs while training for the performing arts industry. In each interview, I will be speaking to professional performers, choreographers, adjudicators and industry leaders to find out more about them and their transitions and journeys from learning their crafts to the professionals that they all are today. So for the next 30 minutes, all you have to do is sit back, relax and enjoy and listen in with us. Today in the house seats, we have international choreographer and director, Stephen Meir. Hello, Stephen. Hi, Craig. It's great to have you with me today. And I'm so excited to delve into your career and get the views for my listeners about the industry and life in general. So let's really get to know about Stephen. Where are you from and how did this amazing career path all start? Well, I think because I, I, I started in Loughborough because my mum used to help out in a little school. and. Uh, I just started running in and out of the class when I was three. She didn't want me to join. I just did it. And then the main dance, my main dance, Deirdre, she got me to teach and she taught me tap on the age of three. So I always had a strong tap, even so, even when I went to college at the London Studio Centre. So I did have that going for me, but everything else was quite rubbish. Excellent. excellent. So I had to work really hard when I got to the London Studio Centre on the things that I weren't good at. I didn't just know yeah. what I could do. I did ballet. 14 times a week to make it stronger. And I did loads of mathematics and jazz. So that's how I built up my strength. And t- you Yeah, know. absolutely. Yeah. And why did you choose um, your vocational training for um, Studio Centre and not another college? You see, at that time, I, I was in Loughborough. I knew there were schools, but I didn't think I'd even get in. So that was one of the ones I got sent to that I heard was good. I, got, I knew somebody in there from Loughborough. And at the time, there was only 40-odd in the college, which right. is unheard of now. So all I could do was tap and move well. And, but I loved it. I had the best training, I have to admit. It is a good place to go to, that's for sure. So after leaving college, Stephen, and even in your first professional performing jobs of Evita and 42nd Street, do you think that the dance styles and genres have changed to fit today's lifestyles and social current trends? I feel when we were trained, we were trained brilliantly, don't get me wrong, but there are, there are so many fabulous techniques happening now that seem to be coming from schools before they get to these stage schools. There's some great teaching going on. And I think it's all to do with this. We have YouTube to look at now. We never had that really when yeah. you started. And um, there's a jewel of, of talent and techniques out there that's coming into schools that are stronger. And there are more triple threats now. You're more aware of triple threats than when we started, I think. Yes, because you've gone past that now, hasn't it? Because there's so much... I was um, explaining to one of my other guests on my podcast about um, the acro styles and requirement of that now. I am horrendous at acro. And it's because it wasn't really required in our day. At one point when I was watching things like contests and watching all these things on YouTube, there was too much acro for me. I mean, we used to dance. And I suddenly thought... I know they're doing all these tricks and they look fabulous. I wonder if they've got any technique, like a Fosse technique or could do one of my shows that need a certain style. Yeah, because, I mean, when I'm out adjudicating, on some report papers, it's so acrobatic and tricks-orientated that I sometimes say, 
but can you actually dance? Yeah, I totally agree. Where would you dance? I mean, I, I think it's fabulous if you've got that ability and that, you know, to be loose and everything. And of course, I'd add it in my choreography if I knew somebody could do a trick. But sometimes it's just trick, trick, trick. You can't see the technique in their dance ability. absolutely love when I see your Miller Mondays and, and Miller because you're a big, big fan. Tell us about what got you into that. Was it the tap side or was it just you warmed to her as a performer? I just loved her tap. And I mean, she has a, a theme step, signature step which is literally in every, every show. And I remember when we were all in Ford Sex Street together, we used to learn it like me and Michael and we learn sections from musicals and teach each other yeah. and I try doing it as fast as her which I can't but I'm just obsessed with her. I think she's fabulous her style I mean I love all that old stuff anyway I love it it's not easy to do you have to have some kind of passion in you to do that style I, I just I was so in awe of her I couldn't take my eyes off of her when um, I went to see uh, Sugar Babies at the oh, Savoy no. she gave me a little meet and greet and I was just, I couldn't just, I couldn't just hardly speak. I was thinking, my God, this is our Miller. It's incredible, you know? And I was just like some child in a sweet shop. <laughs> I had fabulous experience when I was doing Follies. Uh, the kit knew her. And somebody said, here's a letter, I was at the station, but here's a letter from our Miller. Could you give it to um, Eartha? So I grabbed the letter and took it up to Eartha. I said, I adore Ann Miller. And she laughed. But she used to take us out, some of the boys, different days. And she said, meet me at 11, meet me at the Savoy, and we'll have tea before we go to the gym. But dress smart because we've got to eat there. So I went and she got our Miller to come and have tea with us. How amazing. <laughs> and like you, I couldn't speak. I was useless. But she got <laughs> me sign pitch, but it just is like my... It was just wonderful. But I think it did that for me. Yeah, how incredible. Well, you know, Stephen, I mean, you're, I mean I'm in awe of you anyway. I just, I, don't know, I love your work. And you're an extremely talented performer and choreographer and have made more than just a name for yourself in the industry. Has there ever been a time when you thought, no, this isn't for me anymore, or you would have liked to have some, done something else for a career? Um, no. I just mm-hmm. love it so much. I mean, I absolutely love it. Oh. Maybe <laughs> bad reviews. You know, you just kind of, I just kind of, you just have to ignore them. Funny thing is you'll always remember your bad. You will never remember the brilliant ones. Absolutely. And so you just have to get your brain. You have to harden to it. And I just do now. I just don't read them unless somebody says, God, you've got to read this. That's the thing in life though, isn't it? Don't you find that you'll get like 20 negatives to the 500 positive, but they're yes. the ones that are poignant and stay with you as, as a critique. I mean, I always remember when I was in Follies and I used to stand in the wings and I, you know, I was only my third job or fourth, I can't remember. and I was still young because I did my first two shows of each from Ford Secretary while I was at college. I used to watch in the wings, watch Julie McKenzie, Arthur Kitt and all those stars thinking, when will I ever get the chance again? And there's a couple of the old Coreens used to be really mean to me saying, oh, have you got no life? Why do you stand in the wings? And one of the other ones stood up for me and, and had a go at them. But 
I suddenly thought, I'm glad I did. That's just because I loved it so much. I think they were just bitter that their careers hadn't gone anywhere. I didn't realise at the time. But yeah. I used to really upset. I'd go home and cry sometimes. You and but, me both, because, I mean, the trouble is, you see, you are young at that time. You're vulnerable. Yeah. And you look up to peer pressure because that is what you, ins- uh, you know, aspire to be. Um, you're either cut out for the industry or not. And I just find that if you are cut out, somewhere along the line, something will happen for you or you will fall into to a category but a lot of people come out of the industry because it does run dry for them yeah I think you've got to have a bit of a thick skin and or a mega mega passion to keep going and I did and but I just looked back now and thought god I would never do that to anybody watching from the wings I would advise them to watch these amazing performances you know when we did Gypsy Imelda would stand in the wings and still watch us you know yeah. them performing so yeah amazing amazing believe that we have known each other for over 35 years now as we first worked together at Drury Lane in 42nd Street. You then went on to performing Cats, Anything Goes, Follies, Some Like It Hot and Crazy For You, where you assisted the fantastic American choreographer Susan Stroman. From working with Stro, is that where you became recognised for your own choreographic skills? Actually, I I mean, she was... I mean, that's a masterclass in learning how to do, to do dance arrangements, which we didn't use to do years ago, the English people. I learned so much from her. But I learned so much from Norman Maine as well, who I work with. Oh, amazing, and, amazing choreographer. You know, I, like I said, I used to look at every choreographer's and find out, you know, even if they're good or bad, find out what, what was it that people loved about them. And but yeah, I learned a lot from Stro. But then I left. She wanted me to stay with her, but I, but I knew I wasn't a good assistant. My assistants were are eight times better than I ever was. <laughs> it was just, I injured myself in crazy for you and Stro said, do you want to look after the show? And, and it was just perfect timing. And I did. And I, I knew it, so I could look after it. But yeah. when we did Oklahoma, I didn't feel, you know, I was grateful because I was with her, but I wanted to choreograph. So that's why I moved on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, your creative CV is immense. I mean, I'll just mention for the listeners just a few show, uh, shows that you've had, such as Pajama Game, Gypsy, Chess, Sinatra, uh, Guys and Dolls, Sunset Boulevard, and most recently, uh, Funny Girl at the Marigny Theatre in Paris, and also the City of Angels at the Garrick Theatre in London, along with... 57 other productions which you were also known for and associated with. Oh my God, I didn't know that. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Although, in the very early days of you producing choreography, one of your first concepts was a piece called Shoes, which ran at Sadler's Wells and the Peacock Theatres in London. Now, how was this device, Stephen, and how did the concept come about? Well, I was just going to be in it, and then they decided to swap the director around. Because... Um, Richard Thomas, who did um, Jerry Springer, he's brilliant. He's so off the wall and and it really is Marmite. You either love him or hate him, but he's genius. And I wanted to do something that wasn't just showbiz, prove I can do different styles and something off the wall that's risky and not everybody's going to like. But it was a big hit with dancers. I don't think the ballet critics liked us, but (laughs) hey, how you live in there. So I got five choreographers. I kind of choreographed choreographed a quarter of it and the rest was shared between them but it was brilliant and the dancers I tell you what they had to do with five different choreographers that's hard for any dancer but they were brilliant and I got some of the best dancers in that 
Fantastic. And you, you're also extremely well associated with co-choreographing Mary Poppins alongside Matthew Bourne. Yes. For this piece of work alone, you've received the Olivia Award, the LA Drama Circle Critics Award and the Helpman Award in Australia for Best Choreography. Now, we won't tell Matthew Bourne, but secretly, do you think that it was your input that got the awards for Poppins? No, I definitely say it was between us both. I mean, it was funny because I, I think people would love to have seen us wrestling on the floor. And we both kind of said at the time, why do I need Stephen or why do I need Matthew? And it's quite funny, but the show would never have been as good if it had been either one. If you look at the wealth of choreography and different styles in that show, mm. it works brilliantly because I don't do what Matthew does and he doesn't do what I do, but we both have the love for the same thing. Yells beautifully together. Yeah, it really does. You know, it could have gone the other way, don't get me wrong, but it was um, a real fabulous match. And, I, you know, he's a genius. This is so great that I have you here in the uh, house seats today. And I had no idea that you've done so much television work too. The Tracy Ullman Show, Gypsy Live, Acorn Antiques, So You Think You Can Dance, and of course, numerous bits for the late, talented Victoria Wood. Please, let's just reflect on this and tell us a little bit about working with Victoria. I mean, when I got the job, I was like, you know, you're so excited because I've always adored her work. And I don't know how it happened, but we became great friends. But she was a genius to watch writing things. And, you know, she's quite tough if she don't like something or don't want anything. And I remember doing this <laughs> choreographing when she, you just want to please her when you, you know, it's like anything when you first work with them. And then she said, Stephen, you've just kind of danced on that joke. And, and she was totally right. I was more annoyed that I didn't see it. <clears throat> so she was very like that. But we became really, I mean, mega close friends. I mean, to watch Trevor, I mean, I love Trevor Nunn, so. But Julie Walters, all those Acorn Antics, Celia. It was like a masterclass in comedy for me. Absolutely. I mean, I would sit there crying some days in rehearsal. And Vic just used me on everything after that. She just trusted me. She was very shy out of her, unless she really trusted you. I mean, she would come and stay at my house. And that's how close we got. What have you been up to during lockdown? Um, <laughs> I've been doing a lot of Q&As for colleges. I have been doing like aerobics with a friend of mine that teaches it, trying to do it. But yeah, that's all I've been doing. And you know what? I have actually got 16 boxes that I need to unpack since when I moved in two years ago, because I've never stopped working. But I still haven't done it Yeah, So I'm going to start next week and do that. But um, Good time yeah, for I, you, isn't it? It is hard, because I've, I've never, I've always been on the go. So this is a, a, a big eye-opener for me. to the theatre for a moment and on your Disney production of Little Mermaid on Broadway at the Lumpfontaine to portray the gliding and swimming of the mermaids rather you used wheelies of all things yeah. uh, how did this come about and it must have been quite restrictive uh, to choreograph due to the costuming now, you see, originally they were going to use wires. And I said, how are you going to use wires? How do you choreograph wires? I, I'm not the person. I'm very honest that way. But strangely enough, I went to Disneyland that summer before we started. 
And a little kid went by me and whizzed by me. I've never seen these things before. And I chased this kid and went up to the mum and dad said, what's your child wear? And they showed me and I got some fabulous language for the undersea world. Why do you think that Disney theatrical shows such as Mary Poppins, Lion King, Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast, etc., have been so successful yet shows such as Tarzan and Little Mermaid were less received on Broadway and had shorter lives? I, I, listen, when we started Mermaid, there was a big thing in the Times saying that Disney are trying to take over the whole of Times Square and they weren't liking them. So they were, we had a bad press before we even opened and everything goes by what they say. And I think they've done it on Tarzan as well before us. And they were saying, you can't have all these shows of Disney and no one else. But actually, Disney cleaned up Times Square and Void Second Street. So we had all the bad pressure. And then we had a strike. And then we had this big set. It was so expensive to run. But if you ever see the EPK, it looks sensational. I mean, it was fabulous. But once the New York Times aren't with you, and sadly, it's not like that as much now, they can close a show in a week. But luckily, they didn't close ours for a while. We did last a year. Sure, so, sure. I thought I really did think it was going to last long, but it was too expensive to tour. So now going on to training for the listeners, which I mean are in awe of your career. As you're aware, I'm in a full-time college with um, training students for developing the next generation coming through into the industry. Can you advise any student learners out there from all the colleges how that they can develop their craft further and uh, what expectancy you would be looking for when casting? Uh, um, I mean, I always say, while you're in college, don't just work on the things you are good at. Work at the things that are your weakest point. I know you don't want to do that, but do that because, you know, I'm glad I did it. But there were so many people left college thinking, never leave college thinking, oh, I wished I'd worked harder on that. This is your time to learn. You can't do that when you leave college. You have to pay more for it. You know, this is your time. Be a sponge. Soak up every information you possibly can. Yes, yes, I agree. have received so many awards and nominations for work achievements and even a doctorate of the arts. But your latest accolade of receiving the CBE at Buckingham Palace is absolutely amazing and congratulations to you. I did send you a message on on your day. Now, is this the icing on the cake or are you now going for Prime Minister or King of Jazz? (laughs) Listen, in a million years... The Doctorate of Arts was the massive shock. That's massive. And I thought, if I'd had to do a written test, I would have never got it. I'm dyslexic. I would never get any of that. So I'm honoured that I've gone. But CBE, I've never in a million years would I expect that. So, I, I mean, everything that you never expect in Olivia. I come from Loughborough. A little dancer, a little, little boy from Loughborough, you know. I thought I'd made it when I got into Ford Secretary. I remember when I joined Ford Secretary and that curtain went to, I remember filling up so much I couldn't see while I was doing the opening because I thought I was, this was the top of my career. Yeah, so, yeah. Listen, it just goes to prove anything is achievable. Yeah, absolutely. Do you, know, do you remember when, um, do you remember the 85 Royal Command when they said to us all, now, whatever you do, don't look at the Royal Box. Do you remember? And yeah. that we did the, um, the drop step. And the first thing we do was all look at the Royal Box. Yeah, everybody. Like, hey, that's I, the- I, remember, I remember the morning is not to go around and get people's. 
I went in every dressing room um, I was so keen yeah absolutely I mean I got told off uh, chatting and sending a congratulations card for a wedding to uh, Joan Collins (laughs) (laughs) as you do oh dear dear old Scott wasn't happy with me that day When shows are changed with updates, such as Gillian Lynn's version of Cats, which you've done, and Jerome Robbins' version of West Side Story, to the new Broadway-style versions of the same musicals, what would be your feeling if another choreographer was appointed to recreate your work, and how would you feel about it? Well, I don't think they recreate your work if you're not on board. I think they have to do something different. But the Cats Broadway, they actually brought somebody in that did some of our work. So in a way, we didn't lose totally Gillian's completely. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't like that, of course. I mean, that's what's happened on Mermaid. There's another version of it now. Oh, Although right. they, they did mention, would I want to go? But it would be a different creative team. It must be horrible to be shoved onto somebody. Yeah, of course it bothered, you know. I mean, I, I thought, I wonder if they were going to do that with Poppins. Because it's a new Lemire's. I thought they might do that with Poppins. And me and Matthew were thinking, oh, I hope they don't. And luckily they don't. But so it's, that's the, look, that's the business. And if it happens, it happens. You have to take it on the chin unless, you know, sometimes it can be very hurtful. I remember doing Sinatra and it had great reviews and everything. Da, da, da. They did it again, like four years later, but a totally different concept and a lot cheaper. But they were overwhelmed with our production. It's part of learning, toughens you up. It's like not getting parts. It's like, you know, it's like auditioning still. You know, it's well, that's the thing. thing. We work in such a rejective industry that you have to be hardened up to receive the reject stuff and, yeah. you know, to be put down. And because if you're passionate. Like, yeah, you're that's really passionate. You're down down to, yeah, it's all down to the passion, you know. Well, I'm sure that your creativity and production contents will be around for many years to come. So there's nothing to fear for you, that's for sure. Stephen, thank you so much. And it's been an absolute joy with you today and and learn so much about you and your career. And along with the listeners, I cannot wait to see you in your next works. Do you know when that's going to be? Well, we're supposed to be going back to Paris with my version of 42nd Street. Right. And hopefully City of Angels and Poppins will be coming back next year as well, fingers crossed. Right, right. And um, City of Angels is at the Garrick. Yeah, in previews, when it all closed, I was That's gushing. right, yes. Absolutely brilliant. And Josie Rourke is the most amazing director and the cast were fantastic. Brilliant. Let's, that's one to definitely see when we all open up in the West End again. So there is still so much to cover about Stephen's career. So hopefully he will consider coming back to chat again later in the season. Thank you, Stephen. Uh, thank you very much. Lovely speaking to you. Well, unfortunately, that's it for this week. However, don't forget to tune in every Sunday for my next guest in the house seats. This broadcast can be heard on my personal website at www.craigbartley.com or tune in on Spotify or iTunes podcasts by looking up In the House Seats with Craig Bartley. Chat soon and don't forget, click that subscribe button.